You've been at your company for a while. You do good work and you seem to be in good standing with your boss. You aren't at the very top, but are also by no means near the bottom of performers. However, every time an important communication gets brought up, you seem to be the last one to know about it. You start to wonder, why are you always left out of the loop? Welcome to the Innovative Business Podcast from the Hank Hammer School of Business at Baylor University. My name is Bo Mello. And I'm Justin Walker. Today we are speaking with Associate Professor of Management, Sarah Perry. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Yeah. So uh, since we're talking about research, uh, what is the primary focus of the research you do? So I primarily study stress at work. So employee stress and how different factors at work might play into that, including leaders and remote work, flexible work arrangements, hybrid work, all those things we're hearing about lately. I'll say very topical for 2022. Absolutely. So you wrote the article, Disparate Safety Enforcement, uh, Curvilinear Effect mechanisms and boundary conditions of supervisor rated leader member exchange. How does that fit within your research? So this is a series of studies I did with these same co-authors on the effects leaders have on the employee experience and specifically things that matter for stress. So in this particular study, we looked at the way that different relationships people may have with their leaders can affect specifically safety and the, the experience an employee has in a safety-related way. Nice. And so, like, you said it was part of a series. Was there any other reasons that this study came about? Well, we had looked at different aspects of leadership or different maybe angles of leadership styles over the course of three different papers, um, all different data collections, but we were really just interested in looking at leadership in ways that others hadn't really looked at it. So in this particular case... We wanted to understand more about the leader perspective in the leader member exchange relationship or LMX. So this is the leader's opinion of what the relationship is, how high quality it is, how good it is with each employee. And then we wanted to test from the employee perspective when they're thinking, you know, how is the leader actually treating me? And so we had this multiple source data set that was really rich in terms of being able to look at the leader perspective in terms of the relationship, the employee perspective in terms of how they're being treated. And that really tests a fundamental component of LMX theory that hasn't been tested much, which is leaders actually do treat each employee differently based on the relationship they have with them. So you brought up the fact that it hadn't really been tested before, and I I noticed that in your paper as well. Um, What had they been looking at amongst that theory? So we often just look at how the relationship as reported by the employee, so the employee says, this is how good my relationship is, how that might relate to things like employee engagement or other maybe indicators of stress like burnout or motivation or other things the employee might consider in terms of their experience at work. And we just hadn't looked specifically at why are those things being affected? So why would I be more engaged or more safe or more burned out? And so in this paper, we dug a little deeper into the specific treatment might be an explanation for that, how the leader actually is treating me can affect those things. Yeah, absolutely. And so what did you guys find in this? So we found that in general, um, leaders definitely differentiate between how they enforce safety. That was the specific outcome we were looking at across the studies. And so based on the relationship that they reported, 
uh, we found that in general, supervisors give the most attention in terms of enforcement to those that they have the best relationship with and those they have the worst relationship with. So basically my favorites and my least favorites are who I pay attention to in terms of enforcing safety. But we found that was only the case if the leader had a lower level of commitment to safety. So basically it's a bias that emerges. If I'm not as committed to this idea of safety and safety enforcement, then I must be using some type of heuristic based on the relationship to say I need to pay most attention to these two groups of people, leaving the middle just kind of forgotten. So a whole range of people get less attention. So what are some of the... um examples of uh, like a common theme of those employees that were being ignored was it like age or um, performance we didn't look specifically at that but we looked at why they might be reporting a better or worse type of relationship and what might be coming out of that and we found three mechanisms specifically trust how much they like someone and how much they care for them or consider their needs so we found that in general the leaders who have the most or the least liking of someone is what we called it. So if you like someone the most or the least, just terms of I like them as a person, then you're going to pay the most attention to them in terms of enforcing safety. If you have a high consideration for them, you care about their well-being, you're considering their needs, then you're also going to give them the most attention in terms of enforcement. And if you distrust them, So you could be giving people attention for different reasons, and that's what those mechanisms show. So if I distrust you, or I like you a lot, or I really care about your needs, those might be reasons I might give you a lot of attention in terms of enforcement. Interesting. And you get you talked about this a little bit earlier, but you said that this really showed up in people who had low commitments to safety mm-hmm. compared to high commitments. So in the high commitments, were they pretty even across the board? Yes, it completely went away. So the relationship was almost flat at that point. So the relationship didn't matter anymore. The leader seemed to be less biased. They just overlooked whatever relationship they had with that person or how much, maybe how much they liked them or how much they trusted them. And they just treated everyone similarly. So that safety commitment was a pretty important factor for reducing bias in terms of how employees might be treated. So you talked about this enforcement, especially when it's safety is not a uh, a primary concern for Mm -hmm. the supervisor. What does that enforcement look like? Is it, does it look different for the Uh, most well-liked and least liked? Probably so, but the way we measured it was uniform. So it was things like my leader, um, I don't remember the exact items, but, you know, my leader followed up with me to make sure I was doing what I was supposed to do in terms of safety. My leader corrected me. My leader um, kind of redirected me and made me, you know, change the way I was doing something. So the employees are reporting that in terms of the two studies that we had in the paper that were in the field, different field samples. Very interesting. I don't know. Hopefully that answers your question. Oh, yes, it does. Yes. Um, So what can managers or supervisors do to ensure that um, they aren't showing their bias toward certain employees? So one is just to be aware of it, uh, aware that this might happen and to know that I might be treating people differently. So in the realm of safety, we found that where we would suggest that the more committed you are to that thing you're doing, in this case, safety enforcement, the less biased you're going to be. So maybe upper level leadership can really emphasize whatever their priorities are that they want 
uniform or fair treatment across employees, um, those are areas they might want to foster commitment to among the leaders that are going to be doing the actual enforcement. So you studied safety in this particular one. And then also based on your other research, Mm -hmm. does this apply? Have you seen this apply in other areas other than safety or... I would imagine it does, because if you look at these relational dynamics, these matter for a lot of things like rewarding people. Now, we haven't studied these particular things. And this our study was really one of the first that we know of that looked at these particular ways of parsing out my relationship with my employee and then from the employee perspective, how I'm actually treated. So that hopefully some more will be coming out about kind of with these dynamics, looking at it in this way. But you could see that these relational dynamics we know affect a lot of things. Uh, liking, trust, and care and consideration are, are huge predictors of a lot of ways that we interact in the workplace. You know, how we resolve conflict, how we reward, how we communicate about expectations, performance evaluations, um, all kinds of things like that. Interesting. What was probably the most surprising thing that came out of this? I think the fact that it totally went away when someone was highly committed. So the fact that the bias was gone completely. And we were able to replicate this across three studies. So we had two different field studies, and then we did an experiment with an online panel of participants. And that's how we really dug into those relational dynamics. And we saw very clear, strong effects across all of those. So that was interesting. Um, The other thing is that, and this was not something we actually tested until later in the revision process on this particular paper, um, as we were going back and forth with the journal reviewers, we added in accidents toward the end. We actually looked at the relationship. Enforcement does actually impact the number of accidents that you have. So enforcement's important because it actually translates to safety performance. And we were able to show that in one of our studies in this paper. So why why do you think the um, commitment level changed how they interacted with their with their employees? I think because the things we care about, we pay more attention to. And if you think about all of the different things we have to pay attention to through the day, we're all overwhelmed to some extent. And so we we know from cognitive science that we dedicate attention to the things we care about most and the other things we just leave to heuristics or rules of thumb. So we're going to go based on first instinct or gut instinct or the last interaction I have. We know a lot from psychology about biases, perceptual biases and behavioral biases and really even decision-making errors. So we can see from that that's what's happening, seems to be happening here, um, that the more you pay attention to it, the more you're committed to it, the more you will actually be careful to do it well across all people that you're dealing with. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, and you kind of covered a few uh, potential studies, but what options for future research has come out of this paper? So um, definitely continuing to explore the leader's perspective is important because often in this type of research, we only look at the employee perspective of the relationship. And that is not going to be a direct driver of how the leader actually behaves necessarily. It's a proxy. So that's one of the things we recommended in this paper is to continue to get the leader perspective of the relationship. And it's harder to collect that kind of data because you have to ask the leader to actually do a longer survey. They have to do something for every single employee. And so that's why it's hard to get that data. Um, But also we were looking at, you know, other things like we mentioned other areas where this might play. It would be interesting to look at some of those other outcomes. How 
how is treatment happening across employees? And so really that just the basic design of leaders reporting how they feel about each employee and then employees reporting how they're being treated by their leader, you could reveal a lot of interesting dynamics, maybe understand why we have conflicts or why we have good team culture or poor team culture and kind of see the different organizational issues we might face. Oh, absolutely. Um, so what other, so based on the results of this study, we kind of talked on this a little bit, but what do you think the impact is going to be in the workplace because of this? Well, it draws um, awareness to the idea that there might be bias here based on relationships, which we probably all could have guessed, but specifically knowing that managers or upper level leaders can focus in on building more commitment. That might be the way to overcome the differential treatment that might result in things like accidents for more people. You know, if I'm not paying attention to you, you might have more accidents because I'm not communicating about safety and I'm not checking in and making sure everyone's up to date and and whatnot. So that's probably a big one. It's an area to focus in terms of intervention and thinking about ways to foster commitment to whatever your goal is. In this case, it would be safety. Yeah, I can imagine that would be a big thing because, I mean, if we're talking on a, like if you have people you like and people you dislike and that's only the people you're talking about, I can imagine on a bell curve, the middle is Mm -hmm. the largest population that's going to be affected here. So as a manager, I can imagine that's going, you're losing out on a majority of your people. Yeah, I've had conversations with leaders uh, as a result of this and that is something they've noticed In more general terms, like maybe I do ignore, we called it the forgotten middle. It's like all these people that are kind of, I'm good with, I'm, I'm okay. We're all, we're all good, but they aren't at the very top and they aren't at the very bottom. So they don't get much of my attention at all. So to think about that in terms of management practice, if you can be more intentional about connecting with those individuals in the middle, maybe you can, you know, foster an even healthier culture or make sure that you're not losing people because they're sort of just forgotten. And see, that's what I was actually thinking about is, um, you know, we often think of uh, high turnover from those people who mm-hmm. are getting uh, consistent uh, reprimands or mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just, you know, failure to perform. And it might actually be the people that are just sliding under the radar yeah. that just don't feel like they're being invested at all. And so this study yeah. kind of uh, awoke that idea in my head. Yeah. And I think it's not that we're saying that you have to have tons of attention, you know, doled out on everyone, but even just a little intentional interaction might go a long way. There's a new, new ish term that people have been throwing around called quiet quitting and quiet quitting could happen when you are forgetting those people in the middle. I mean, you're, you haven't paid attention to them and you don't even know that they kind of haven't been putting in as much effort or, kind of stopped putting in the extra that they used to do, that sort of thing. That's interesting. interesting. What other areas, I mean, like obviously the forgotten middle is going to be a huge <laughs> thing. So like what other areas have you seen in your research that the forgotten middle is tr- forgotten? <laughs> well, in remote work research, we often talk about it as a major concern of people who are remote workers. And so this is an area I've done a lot in lately, especially, and I'm not sure that they necessarily feel forgotten, but we've talked about the importance of intentional communication, especially when people literally are not on the same floor as you or in the same vicinity as you. And so I guess the same principles would, would go there. I've been recommending 
as I've talked to people, we need to be intentional about communicating and connecting and then really understanding what people need from us, especially if they're far away. So we had a study in 2018 about um, certain types of people actually didn't want complete freedom and kind of to be left alone. And what we recommended there was some people really want a little more support and guidance. They don't want, maybe some people don't want full autonomy. They don't want to be forgotten. They want just enough connection to know they have the resources they need and that you know that they're doing a good job or that they're there and you're supporting them as a leader. So I think the same principle could apply there. That to, We don't want whoever is kind of forgotten. If we could pull them back in, if we're a leader, that's going to be Probably one of the most important things we do is intentional connection with each employee, not just the ones in the extremes. Absolutely. Also, um, as as you were talking about remote work, this kind of spurred a question. I don't know if you guys dealt into this in this study, but was there a difference? Were you able to study a difference between like remote workers and this safety cause <laughs> and in person? Or? We didn't have any remote workers in this, actually. Um, one, and I think that might be true for a lot of safety-related contexts because one was a construction company, so obviously all on site. And then the other was a hotel, Was were mm. four hotels, actually. So they were all like the hospitality frontline workers that were dealing with clients and that sort of thing. But that would be interesting, you know, if safety became a concern. I think the question to generalize the safety specific questions here would be where else do we care about safety or is safety a major concern? So looking at accidents or track records. Um, But remote work in general, I don't think we see much of that. There's some much it's different kinds of questions that come up like what kinds of safety issues come up at home and is the company even responsible for that you know or ergonomic things health and safety in terms of the employee's well-being might it might come up there yeah is the company responsible for me tripping over my dog right yeah i don't (laughs) think so so. (laughs) i don't think we can get by with that (laughs) you know i i'm actually really excited to see what research could come out of this and um and just even more of the research that you're working on. And, you know, I think that uh, it's a very uh, relatable uh, field and topic for a lot of people out there to uh, to just dive into. So um, I really appreciate you coming in today and taking the time to share your research with us. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Innovative Business Podcast from the Hank Hammer School of Business. If you want to check out more episodes of Innovative Business or the Business Review Podcast from CJ Jackson, go to handcammer.baylor.edu slash podcast. And if you would like to know even more about research and alumni stories from the Handcammer School of Business, go to bbr.baylor.edu.